Informative. Educational. Objective. Inclusive. Comprehensive. This is Progress Report. Updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. Welcome to another episode of Progress Report, updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. My name is Ivan Connor, my lovely co-host, Gleneva Hodge. I almost said co-host. <laughs> How did that happen? I was trying my it's, best. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's been a long weekend. We've had um, Queen's birthday celebrations on Friday. We've had boat race today with Good Monday. Monday. All the sham, the fried fish, the oh, Johnny cake. I've had Welch's first, yes. I've had Welch's first. We had the tamarind stew. I see my godmother. I see my cousins. Sound like I'm very nostalgic now, right? <laughs> it's just a long day, um, but we're here. And we have a very important guest with us. We have, um, this is the first time I'm ever going to pronounce your name. Let's hear it. <laughs> On camera, <laughs> Olaf Mike Banks Devonish. Doctor. Let me put a doctor in front of you, see how it rolls <laughs> off. Doctor Olaf Mike Banks Devonish. There you go. Good All right. Good, and day. good morning. Good morning. Good <laughs> Whenever night. Whenever you're watching. Every, everything, because these shows, we've come to notice that these shows have quite a bit of longevity. Um, actually, one station, Advent Radio, they play them more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, good day, good evening. Um, to everybody that's listening. And if we have the doctor in the house, we've promised this episode uh, for some time now, and we're actually here. I'm going to try my best to behave. Hopefully we don't delve too far and jump off the deep end, Gleneva. <laughs> if you see her give me the eyes, it's because, you know, she's trying to rein me back in. But we have a lot to unpack today yeah. on the subject of mental health. There's so much avenues we can look at this at. We can look at it in our, ch- our children. We can look at it in our workforce. We can look at it in our adults. We we have a lot mm-hmm. of adults walking around with childhood traumas that has yet to be addressed. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can get a little personal, I would say I've had some childhood trauma to deal with. Um, my son recently was driving with him. He was like, "Daddy, why you why you just so quick to to forgive people and just let things go?" And I say because I can't carry that burden. I carried a lot of burdens for a while growing up. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it a fun fact, but we're going to dive into this. I'm going to let you jump <laughs> yeah. in that minute. You know, it's it's, it's strange and funny because we're going to look at this uh-huh. from the perspective of how is government addressing mm-hmm. um, mental health. Mental health, yeah. Um, and... We're going to try to not use this as a therapy session. Yes, we'll try not to. But I, we must say that this is going to be a two-part. Yes. We yes. don't want to rush this. We don't want to leave the doctor just um, not get to share what I think is of critical importance mm. to everybody that's listening. We have a very wide audience. We get a lot of comments and feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unpack a few things. No problem. Um, so I think a good place to start. Other than... 
you know, letting everyone know that we have Dr. Banks Devonishia. Just quickly tell us about yourself, your role, what do you do uh, to set the platform for where we're going here today. Okay, so I am a clinical psychologist. Okay. I am the clinical psychologist under the Ministry of Social Development. Okay. Was Ministry of Health and Social Development, now it's Ministry of Social Development and Education. Um, I'm a one-man department. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And I focus on the counseling aspect of mental health within the service. Um, I've been in this role since November 2018 when I returned from university. Um, and yeah, I work with individuals and groups. Okay, hold on. You said you said a mouthful there. Mm-hmm. You said me quick. <laughs> you take your time today. We got, we got time. You take your time. That was the spot. But something, something jumped out at me mm-hmm. and... Um, I know Glenny will probably go here right away, so I'm going to jump in front of him, <laughs> in front of her. Why are you the only person in such a critical role? Um, I think what it was before the role, before I came into this role, the role didn't exist. Oh, so, um, so there was a recognized need for a clinical psychologist. And for a lot of years before I actually went into my doctorate studies, there would be scholarship advertisements for psychology at the master's level, at um, the undergraduate level. But the reality of the situation is that in order to do this role, oh. the doctorate was needed. Okay. Um, so I did apply for a scholarship, and it was a master's scholarship, but I kind of made the argument that, you know, a doctorate was required for the role to happen because um, I had my master's at that point, but it wasn't enough to be, especially unsupervised. Oh, so okay. the role, the need was identified and the role was created. Um, and it's good because it's a few years later, but considering that everything happened, everything that happened in the last few years, oh. I think it's good that at least we have that position. And I know it's something that will be developed more in the upcoming years. Um, there is a recognized need that... So we need a unit. We don't need... Yes, we need a unit. We definitely need a unit. Okay, you can say those things on progress report. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> we, need, we need more. <laughs> and and that is that is something that we need to explore. And mm-hmm. if the need is identified, mm-hmm. um, we recognize that, you know, that there is a need and how do we move forward with that? Mm-hmm. And I hear you say that you know, you expect to see that coming on board, hoping to see that come on board. How soon do we hope to see that? I know you probably would say last year, <laughs> <laughs> but how, how soon? How soon do you anticipate seeing this? Is it budgeted for um, in this budget cycle? Sorry, or is it something that you're hoping to see included in next year's budget? So I can't necessarily answer when it will happen. Unfortunately, um, in Anguilla, we have a lot of critical roles where there's only one person. Um, for example, one pediatrician that, yeah, yeah, again, he, that he manages the million children mm-hmm. on the island. Um, mm-hmm. One government, OBGYN. Like, there are, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. I think, internist. There are a lot of roles um, that require more than one person where right now we don't have that capacity. And I think it is a budgetary constraint. Um, I will say that the minister responsible for my ministry and my permanent secretary definitely recognize and advocate for more of. Uh It's just the money. 
Okay. The reality. The reality. The reality of it is the money. Okay. Outside of the money, mm-hmm. you said also, and if I'm if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, you walk across seven several different spheres and mm-hmm. tiers and levels. Mm-hmm. Because you're the only clinical psychologist for government and you work under the Ministry of Social Development and Education, mm-hmm. I would imagine children in the system, juveniles, you have to deal with those. Mm-hmm. Prisoners, mm-hmm. adults, you have to deal with those. Care workers, those in, in, in our, our emergency response unit, you have to deal with those. Teachers, children, you have to deal with those. Mm-hmm. So technically, you're a superwoman. Boy, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to dig into something where, where, where we're going with this. And uh-huh. Yes, go superwoman. <laughs> you know, um, what you're looking at, you say that you're the clinical psychologist mm-hmm. for the government service. Does that mean that you are the clinical psychologist for employees of the government? I want, you, I want you to clarify what that means and what that role means and to whom. Okay. So, um, I offer services to clients of the government. So, that would be, as I even said, clients under social development, under probation, um, under education, oh. under the prison, under the Royal Angola Police Force, Health Authority, although oh. it's a bit separate, but I still offer services to clients referred from there. I'm not um, the clinical psychologist for government employees um, that is a but there's that, a need for that yeah that's a need that we also identify an employee assistance program and where I am able to then I try to fill that gap once I have the capacity um, but it's not under my remit okay, okay. so the, and, and not because it's progress report we get all the exclusive juice in there <laughs> Um, and not because we have options here on the table today in terms of our water. Somebody might say the budget. <laughs> the budget was increased. Um, but Flavored water. Flavored water. <laughs> in your two-minute, your elevator speech, picture, paint a picture for me with what you want to see your department, your unit look like. Definitely. Um, I would like to see um, a psychiatrist attached to the ministry as well. There's a big need for that. Mm. At least another psychologist. Mm-hmm. What I really want to see is more multidisciplinary walking. So occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, psychology, psychiatry, psychiatric nurses. Mm. I think all of that together would give our clients a better chance. Uh of improvement, a better chance of holistic well-being, because right now we have a lot of fragmented services Uh that are working independently and in order for somebody to really thrive, we need to bring those pieces together and Uh I think that is what I would like the unit to look like. So So how do you go about creating a plan of care because it's obvious the things that we've heard from our previous guests the um, chief education officer Mm -hmm. we heard from the premier we know we have real issues in society Mm -hmm. Uh, we can't escape from this anymore we see uh, I mean if I if I can just briefly touch on it we see the if I want if I if I want to call it anything less than blatant disregard for life um, in our societies, we we see it all, but all these things come from some place, Definitely. and they, they, it goes back to what we touched on to start the childhood trauma, and there's a need for counseling in 
everyone out there. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we can shy away from. It's something that you're passionate but about. Definitely. You know, I, I, I want to just stick up in and probably get this from mm-hmm. Dr. Banks' definition. How do we, and is this something that within your unit and department is looking at in terms of shredding the taboo associated with therapy, mm-hmm. with counseling, and recognizing that at some point in all of our lives, <laughs> you know, at some point in all of our lives, yeah. we're going to have a need for. Yeah. And I, I think one of the stories that really, really resonated with me, and we're going to jump there as well, um, was when Mr. Romney, in our previous show, and he spoke about parents not signing off on their children yeah. being able to receive the one-on-one counseling. Yeah, and I think that is somewhat still deeply rooted in our perspective and our view mm-hmm. on on therapy. And it's not a bad thing. It's not... It, it, why, why is it still seen and perpetrated as if though it is a negative when someone is in need of therapy? You know, what I would say is that I'm seeing the change and I'm happy to see the change. I remember I got into psychology because I had noticed throughout my childhood, I wanted to be a lawyer. I told my mother, I'm never going to do psychology because you do not have time to talk to the neighbors or play with the children. Sorry. Yeah, she was busy. (laughs) (laughs) And I told her I would never be a psychologist. But as I went through high school, I recognized that there were some things that were being ignored and people with mental health difficulties were being hidden away from society. And I was like, this is something that I became passionate about and something that I really wanted to help bring about change. It was very taboo when um, I was growing up. Somebody would say, oh, you need to go to Linda Banks. I'm sure all of us have heard that. Mm -hmm. You need to go talk to Linda Banks. And it was seen as something negative. Um, And that's because as a people, the previous generations were taught that they just had to get on with it. They just mm-hmm. had to do what they had to do just to you know, carry on with life. So there was no kind of space for being vulnerable. There was no kind of space for talking about emotions. Um, it was just seen as this is life. Stress was a word we used a lot. Stress oh. when it was a lot of mental health difficulties. Stress was a word that we used. And it was just like, you got stress? Okay. Um, you gotta be strong. You gotta just carry on with things, but... Pray about it. Pray about it. Um, which is good, yes. but it's not all that there is to it. And I think what's happening now is that I'm noticing a shift in the way that mental health is viewed, mm. mainly with the younger generations. So the people watching... What is God? 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. The people watching TV, you know that series on Netflix... You look very confused. Very. Um, it was so, a series on Netflix about mental health among adolescents um, mm-hmm. and just talking about suicidal awareness and things like that. But okay. through the media, the younger generation are now accepting that mental health issues are real and it's something that we should not be ashamed of. What's happening, though, is that the generation before that generation is still holding on to a bit of the taboo Mm. idea that this is something bad and I think through awareness mental health awareness my mother did a lot of mental health awareness we are now doing a lot of mental health awareness and I think that is going to give people permission to feel oh that's 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 deep 
the permission to feel mm-hmm. part because growing up and I'm gonna I wanna I know everybody had hear this growing up. Not me. You never heard it? No. Okay, I think we touched on this before saying so okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Your mom lash you, your dad lash you, hush up before I give you something to cry for. Mm-hmm. Like how far does this suppressing the natural response to pain. How far do we think this goes? We have children now. We have children now that seem like they can't even feel. Mm. Like, go ahead. <laughs> we got there too fast, didn't we? No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't mind. And I also, since we're already there, I wanted to go somewhere else. Mm. I, I don't know if Doctor Banks is best. To address this, or even you, Ivan, and you know, I'm sitting back and we're looking at you're speaking about children and told, mm-hmm. you know, be quiet mm-hmm. before I give you something to cry about. But I think also as prevalent was boys don't cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boys don't. So we have a society of men that don't feel comfortable expression, expressing emotions mm-hmm. and is that necessarily why we're seeing certain things? And, you know, we're looking at a number of societal ills. Mm-hmm. Ivan, you touched on it. And we don't shy away from the yeah. hard stuff. And we both knew coming into this episode, it was going to be yeah. an emotionally charged episode. It was going to be difficult. Unfortunately, we would have had another gun incident I believe I believe someone lost their life. Yeah. And I start to wonder where are our young men and how how does all of this play into what we're seeing? Mm-hmm. So sorry, I know I dropped a whole lot. <laughs> no, I, I know okay, I dropped a whole okay, lot on you just though, but it's mm-hmm. I think definitely socialization does have a part to play in how they express, how young men are able to express their emotions in a lot of the time. That comes in the form of violence. Um, it's a lot more than just emotional expression, of course. Some of it is peer pressure. Some of it is what they've been socialized to see. Um, but I definitely feel like the anger and the expression of anger and, and violence part of that is because they don't feel able or have an outlet to speak. When I speak to young men about anger and about um, anything that they've been involved in, if I get a client from probation, for example, or in the prison, for example, a lot of the time what you hear behind it is pain, mm-hmm. um, whether pain from loss, pain from upbringing, neglect, neglect pain from being labeled. There are so many children in our society with literal developmental and mental health issues. So many children with ADHD being labeled as rude Mm -hmm. and getting that label and that becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. You hear it so much that you become it. Um, I think that that pain and that feeling of I can't do any better anyway. Nobody believes that I'm going to do any better anyway. So and we're, and we're putting that on our children. Mm-hmm. So there's no one fix for it. And no. I can point I mm-hmm. I can point to several several instances and I'm gonna try to to temper what I have to say here just because I'm 
honestly trying not to get um, too... Okay, I'm, I'm struggling for the words now because I'm trying to put a fence and a gate before them. I used to spend a lot of time at um, Zaneda Haven. Mm -hmm. I used to go and just speak with the young men mm -hmm. and hang out with them. A couple of them out. Some measure of reform, mm -hmm. some falling back into things. But I remember this one young man. I asked him how he ended up here. He said, Hey, my dad used to beat me like a man. Not with a belt, he said, with fists. Mm -hmm. He said, and this used to happen almost every day before he went to school. Mm -hmm. And I. I just had to find an outlet. So he would just fight with the first person that he saw. Mm. And then he was deemed as a child that had a problem, that had the most going on, all the brands, the root and everything. Mm -hmm. But this child, theoretically, was being abused. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of young men going through these things in society. And then the placed in situations and placed in environments where we consider normal behavior to be only what we can pen it and put it into a box to be and then we don't understand that they have issues I came across a quote years ago and I subscribed to it hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. and it's not just on the emotional level if you want to talk about it from the relationship aspect a lot of young men, a lot of young women walking around feeling inadequate, hurt. But here's the hurtful part about this. These young men and these young women are having children, aren't able to parent because they don't want to be like what their parents did for them. They, they found themselves in some situations, in some relationships, in some instances, in some whatever we want to call it. And the cycle keeps going over and over. How, as a community, as a people, are we a going to find a means to say, hey, the buck stops here with me? Does it, does, it, does it take you in your soul capacity? Because I'm disheartened, and I can say it openly and publicly now. I'm disheartened with what we know and we see. I'm disheartened that there isn't a unit, a task force assigned to deal with these things. Because I can guarantee you, and I don't make much guarantees, but I can guarantee you, if more attention was paid to this, a lot of the things that we're facing in society, we wouldn't be seeing today. Because it's not taboo. It's not taboo. I have my struggles. I did counseling. Mm -hmm. And I I would I mean, never tell anybody to I shy away too. from it. it you is, have it to is, talk to somebody. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have... Ha having, a, having that outlet mm -hmm. is so important. Definitely. It's critical mm -hmm. to any measure of development. Yes. So mm -hmm. for a parent to say no, for an adult to say no, come on. I'll say this. While I don't understand it, in some aspects, again, I do. Meaning, if it is still that level with the generations above us, if it is still taboo to them, if it is still seen as this thing where, don't go tell nobody our business, 
We need to let everybody know what's going on inside of our house. Mm-hmm. Therapy is for white people. That is for privileged persons. They may have nothing else to worry about. You better get on with what you have to do. Those are all of the things. And so it's not necessarily that in the mind of the parent that they think that they're doing something wrong. I I, I would like to believe in you know we spoke about this <laughs> my 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 outlook in trying to be at least look at the glass a little bit half full as opposed to half empty i would want to hope as a parent i would want to hope that they're not necessarily doing it in a manner that they think is hurting the child but more so in a way that they just think this is just something we don't do it's, it's really all that a lot of people know. And we have to remember that as small as Angola is, no Angola was smaller before. True, very true. So a lot of that narrative came from the fact that everybody was literally in your business because they literally had this small college campus mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. where... Everything was just made known. So right now, you can you can get away with some people not knowing some aspects of your life. Before the population growth and all of this happened in Angola, it was literally we're not bigger so than a village. It, correct. And <laughs> you got to be careful there. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was that it was it was like that before we had mm-hmm. our um, regional colleagues come in right. to Angola before population growth before all of that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 a narrative that was created because in order to just you know function, that was their survival strategy. Just yes. keep everything within the home as much as you can. So the narrative started and it continued and it continued and it continued. As you said, where do where does it stop? How do we break? I think cycle? it's stopping with this generation. Honestly, I really feel this generation is making a difference. And wait, I'm not generation? even talking about my generation because I'm, I'm old and washed up now. Sorry. <laughs> it's so, so you're saying it's not the millennials. It's not us. It's Gen Z. It's Gen Z. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I think it's just amazing to go into high school now and have a conversation with high school students hearing the level of emotional intelligence that a lot of them have. It's just mind-blowing. It's like the things, the, the attention I'm bullying that is there now where we used to call each other stupid and retarded and all kind of stuff all the time through school with no kind of remorse or feelings or nothing. Not not except for the person who was was actually, yes. As adults, Mm -hmm. hopefully as adults, Mm -hmm. when you've built that emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and in retrospect, you go, Wow. We didn't identify it as bullying no. at all. That was that was normal. That was just how we spoke. This generation now does. Strengthen, strengthen your back. Your, your, yeah. You know, yeah. water off your back. And you're supposed to just take it. Oh. Sticks and stones. Break my bones. Words. Lies. Mm-hmm. Garbage. Mm-hmm. Nonsense mm-hmm. they used to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 knew, I knew the effect of words. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a bully. Mm-hmm. I want to put that out there. All my classmates. <laughs> I wasn't a bully, but I grew up. I grew up chubby and fat, and I was quick with my mouth. Like if if somebody said something to me, and I watched them. They would apologize because if I start, I wasn't gonna stop. And I had to check myself. 
I like I was speaking with my cousin recently. We go to the beach a lot, and I was like, you know, I am not going to learn nothing to disturb my peace to that. I've gotten to a place where I identify that I had things to work on. I am a work in progress, mm-hmm. and I will continue to be a work in progress because there's no perfection in me outside of Christ. If you're being honest, <laughs> if that's true that you go down, but it took me a while to get here. And what I'm trying to do now is instilling my kids to get there. Like, I, my son does hear me harping over and over. I keep telling him, whatever he does to his, his sister, he's teaching her what to accept from a man. And I, I constantly try to, like, have him pull his brakes. Mm-hmm. Because children learn what they live. Mm-hmm. And we're back, we're back to children now. So we have these challenges that we see playing out in the schools. And, and we're, we're on the school things because we just came uh, from mm-hmm. the episode with the chief education officer. And it's bothering me to this day. Mm-hmm. Is it one in five? I think that was... I don't want it to be one in five. So I'm asking it as an, a, a question now. But you know that the suicide thoughts and attempts is alarming for this island. Mm-hmm. A classroom has, in on average, 25 children. Five of those children would have considered our attempted suicide. And we don't think that it's time to wake up and say we have a problem. And we still think that mental health and counseling and these sort of support services is not something that's needed. I, I don't want to say I sympathize, I empathize. Um, because I'm far from those emotions now. I'm a little bit annoyed. That is not something that we want to push towards really addressing. Mm. And in whatever capacity, whatever I am able to use my voice for, I will make it known that you need some support. Mm. Because we need the support. Mm-hmm. That is alarming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was going to ask, you know, we know what those statistics look like. Mm-hmm. We know that you are the only one, the only clinical psychologist. How do you manage mm-hmm. that workload? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he smiles. Um, the best that I can. Mm. Um, that, 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 is, <laughs> that is the honest answer. We have some capable counselors throughout the island so um, within the schools within the community um, some of the private medical facilities there's my mother who's also a clinical psychologist so what I've had to do is prioritize in terms of urgency Mm. and severity Um, and that's a judgment call within itself it is um, based on Certain assessments that I would do. I I, um, I understand. I'm, I'm not. I'm no, not, no, no. I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I am just trying to say, <laughs> and I'm gonna make it clear. Not because you're managing it, mm-hmm. mean that we supposed to let this go on any longer. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I'm not cutting you off. I would never do that. <laughs> but don't go there and tell people that you have a system that's somewhat kind of working now. Because the first <laughs> thing we want to do in Anguilla is say, okay. Oh. Some more time. Let me look at it. No, we need to fix it now. I'm sorry. We need to fix it now. I've seen this stuff triggering and happening for years. And if anybody talks 
if you ask anybody about me, my time spent as a youth leader in church or whatever, or even going around speaking to school, I saw this stuff happening for years. And I, I, I remember telling our teacher Emma, she was no longer here with us, she's moved back to the States, but I said, we're about to experience an epidemic hmm. of ignorance, and I, I cited some other things along that spectrum where we mm. talked about mental health. And I see it happening today. And it's no fault of our kids. Mm. We could have done a whole lot more to help them. We could have done a, a whole lot more to help ourselves. Mm. Because we're the parents now, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. And the struggles that we, we didn't address, they're multiplied now in our children. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not cutting you off. I just don't want you to tell them that you have resources. <laughs> no, because we're gonna sweep it under the rug, and yeah. that's not that's not something that we want. We need this address. If mm-hmm. I, if I if I can say though, Ivan, I am, and I'm not trying to just you know be very nice and you know, mm-hmm. but I'm being honest. If I am being honest, I do see the push from especially my peers. Okay, that's um, Dr. Bonnie Richardson. Like she. She pushes it, eh? uh-huh. and she she manage, she helps to manage what's going on for me. So if I can't do it, she'll tell me don't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. She 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 helps to keep me in check, and she helps to make sure that she is pushing as far as she can. Right. To get the support that is needed, and I think the more that is recognized, and the more conversations like mm-hmm. this we have, the more the pressure. Is going because we have to find the money. We always find. Yeah. We yeah. always find the money for everything. Yes. For everything. Yes. I and I know. Mm-hmm. I know the minister. It's something that she's actively Very passionate working on. About she's well. extremely passionate Very about passionate it. About so that's why I can speak so openly on it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I know her stance on mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and we have to address it. Very passionate about but it. My passion to want to be a call <laughs> to the parents. Sorry, <laughs> a call <laughs> to the parents. A yes. call to our religious mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. A call to our elected officials. Those that run, those that intend, those that because it got a lot of bullying going on from people that we would want to see, I uh, would have tried to establish themselves in certain areas. Mm-hmm. I would never forget when I was a youth leader. Again, I'm sp- uh, this uh, terrible session. This is not going to be a terrible <laughs> session. I would it's never okay. forget though. One of my young people, he said, "But Ivan, we don't want to be bad. Mm. Is that we don't want to be like them." To this day, that's at least 12 years ago. To this day, it still rings in my ears. He said, we don't want to be bad. We just don't want to be like them. So what are we doing as a society where we get up and we argue and we bully each other on the radio stations and in the workplace? And our kids have to see this. No, that's not your... That's not your... your, Job forte, and I'm sorry for unloading on you. That's okay. But I'm letting people know that we are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, we are part yeah, of the problem. I agree. Mm-hmm. So it's not just to throw the money to get the people, but we have behaviors amongst ourselves that we need to change. But you know, in order to change those behaviors, they have to be identified and challenged. And not many of us within the society are willing to accept that those behaviors are contributing to anything else. So how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. Open conversations and awareness. I think one of my main challenges in working with children is that the children or the child is always seen as the issue. Nothing surrounding the child is the issue. The child is the issue. 
the child is rude because the child wants to be rude. We don't that that that's that's the narrative that we get mm-hmm. um, in conversations. It's difficult, and I would strongly encourage parents to really think about this. It's difficult to have a conversation with a child within my office space mm-hmm. and for a child to go out and make those changes because the child is going back out into the same environment where the same triggers are happening, where the same learned behaviors are being exhibited, where the same systems are breaking down. And that 50 to 60 minute session can't fix it. Well, but we have to have, we have to get to a place where we are able to be honest with the generations of parents um, to say, what are we doing to contribute to these issues? What are we doing to propel this behavior? What, what can we change within ourselves and within our households to bring about the change that we expect to see in these children? And that leads me right into... You know, we've been scouting around it. I think we alluded to it. <laughs> And Ivan, I think you went a little bit further in, in terms of speaking about cycles and mm. breaking them. Mm. And sometimes it's learnt behavior. It's what I grew up with, and this is how I know how to parent. Mm-hmm. What resources are available to parents who want to break the cycle? Right now... Um the community services planner within the ministry, along with a lot of stakeholders, the very key stakeholders, um, are in the process of creating a national parenting program. Um, And it would be, that's the umbrella term under it, it would have various programs and initiatives um, to reach out to parents, to help to educate, to help to train, to help um, to have these difficult conversations, to provide resources um, based on research that has been done, based on information that has been collected from children, parents, teachers, social workers, police officers, every, everybody that you could think of in the communities. A lot of work has gone into the National Parenting Program, and um, it should be rolled out soon. I was just about to ask how soon, because, again, that's something you look around and it's needed. Yes, that's and something there has that to I be buy-in. There has yes, to be buy-in, buy-in. Yeah. of course, but that's something that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. So you've heard it here. I don't know if this is an exclusive for our listeners, as it is <laughs> for me, but there's a national parenting program. In the works. In the works that should be unveiled soon. And this takes into account how we... Tell me what this should cover. I think you could probably... <laughs> you know what I think? I am. I am. But oh. I, I do think... Ah, she is. I did not know. <laughs> but I do think that what we can do, Ivan, is to reach out and have the community services planner come on okay. and be a guest on Progress Reports and we can really get into what that looks like because I do like the linkages and we are looking at all of these different areas and give her the opportunity okay. to come on and we're going to speak about that somewhere. Definitely, definitely. I, I definitely agree with you there. I didn't even know there was a, a different role. Um, so I'm, I'm going to make another plug here. I'm hoping that there can be some synergy when you have your unit of 12 um, persons 
and they break down that you so desire that this community we currently exist within the same, same office, office space. Yeah. So magic <laughs> we don't even have to go too far we work we work very closely together we don't even have to go too far and so you said no she do, yeah she does a lot of work with also the various ministries within departments are within the ministry so she helps to tie things together with policies so sports social development mm-hmm. probation and everything I, li- I like that you go there because part of progress report right mm-hmm. is to show linkages, the bridge Mm -hmm. between what government departments does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I often tell people, and I'm going to say here again, for those of you that don't know, government is not the 11 persons that you voted for Mm -hmm. that sit in the house. Mm -hmm. Those are merely, and I'm not reducing our ministers or premier or anybody like that, those are for me, legislators, Mm -hmm. and they allocate resources. Mm -hmm. Under government, the true function of how our departments work happens at the technocrat level, mm-hmm. the department head level, the PAS level, and the PS level. Mm-hmm. And things don't happen in a vacuum contrary to what some may want you to believe. I'm hearing it here again that there are units that work together. Definitely. So we actually have a plan for where Angola is going. Yes, we do. <laughs> My goodness gracious. By George, I think we've got it. We, have a <laughs> we actually have a plan. That's good to know. We actually have a plan. And Ivan? Uh-huh. With that plan. With that plan. In the beginning, you said this was going to be a two-part series. Uh Uh-huh. We are now going to break Dr. Banks' definition. (laughs) We actually have a plan. That's a good place to do. And we we have a plan for progress Uh report. So Dr. Banks' definition... We thank you for being with us on this episode and we thank you for staying and joining us for the following episode. Yes. So this has been part one. Another half. another another great episode of Progress Report. <laughs> I leave it as that. I won't apologize if I got a little bit passionate in my voice, but it's something that mm-hmm. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the effects. I'm I'm concerned. You are. You you have had obviously a bit more counseling than me because <laughs> I, I can see you, although you're passionate, you know, you kept that in Glenniva I heard the cracking in your voice. You've been trying very hard not to touch on not on not to touch on certain issues. I don't know what happened next when we dive a little deeper. We're gonna but have to I, go there. We're gonna have to go there. Mm-hmm. So I'll say I'll say this in closing for this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're gonna jump right back into things. With Olufemike Banks Devonish, Doctor Olufemike Banks Devonish, <laughs> a wonderful young lady, um, you're a lady of the soil, right? Yes, okay, for the most good. part. They don't My matter. You don't, <laughs> I came here at six weeks old. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> that don't mean nothing. Were you in ballet school? No, teacher Gloria on my little institute. Come on, come on. I had to give an opportunity to Come on. You think I just in marketing for nothing? Good. I'm just saying all of that to say, you know, it makes me proud. Thank you. I'm not I'm not joking, it makes me proud. Mm. I've I tend to absorb a lot. I don't know if people think that I'm I'm standoffish. I just absorb a lot of energy and I can't ever say that I get a bad vibe. From you, so I know your heart is in the right place. I know coming in to do this, you didn't do because your mother. T- you don't tell them before, like yeah. you didn't want to waste your time mm-hmm. not being able to talk to their neighbors because you want to ask for mango or two. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. You like mangoes? I love mangoes. See, I know. I can, I can say. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying all that to say that 
you pursued your passion. It's honest, mm-hmm. and it's not something that you're doing because a lot of people feel like some people are doing things just because they want to get in people' business. That they were trust into it. Now, this is something that you love. Yes. So we're gonna get into that a little bit deeper, and we're gonna touch on some issues on the next episode. And before we officially close, we're gonna close with this, and when we come back in the next episode, we're gonna start with this. Please put out there know that we're speaking about mental health, the number for safe which oh. is Angola's domestic violence hotline and psychosocial hotline. Mm-hmm. The number for SAFE is... 7233. It's 24-7 toll-free. That means no charge. Um, and there are trained professionals in psychosocial supports always on the other end of the phone, ready to offer any support that is necessary. Thank 7233. It spells SAFE. So thank you. This is where we'll end, and that's where we're going to pick up. All right.